Welcome to another episode of the Climbing Henge Podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk about rejection. She's rejected me. And what we're going to talk about is the science of rejection, how it impacts the body from a neurological and physiological perspective, and knowing how it impacts the body um, in negative ways. What can we do to counter these feelings and impacts? Now, everybody has been rejected at some point in their life in one way or another. Um, could be in the form of relationships or you didn't get the job that you wanted. Happens in many, many flavors. What we're going to focus here on, of course, in this podcast is having to do with relationships. And rejection can take many forms within a relationship. It can be on the one end of the spectrum very severe, like a breakup, a separation, or a divorce, right? Those are um, the more severe rejections, and it can be less severe, but you can still experience rejection. So for example, I might have texted my partner or the person I'm trying to reunite with, and they, they haven't texted back yet, and I feel rejected by that. Maybe I, I did a kind gesture or a supportive act for my partner or the person I'm trying to reunite with, and they didn't acknowledge it. I feel rejected because they didn't acknowledge what I did. I put effort into it. Maybe she or he didn't call you back. Maybe they're ignoring you and you feel down and out and rejected because of that. Those are all forms of rejection. And when we, we feel rejected, we tend to do a number of things that all have similar themes associated with them. We wanna fix it. We wanna reach out and do something. I wanna voice my displeasure. I wanna talk about it. I might have anxiety. I might be stressed. I might be angry at my partner for what they've done and broken up with me. I might feel it's unjust or unwarranted what they've done, so I'm angry or I'm hurt or I'm sad. The culmination of all these things going on tends to result in typically bad things. People react and then they, they try to chase their partner. They try to talk him into things. They get angry, they get sad, they might cry. All these things that you will do if you're not controlled and practiced will invariably lead to more severe consequences in the relationship. Things get worse. As an example, if my partner wants to talk about separation and divorce and I'm not accepting of it, I don't hear them, it's gonna make them more angry with me because they're not feeling heard and accepted. They're not feeling supported. They're not feeling respected. They won't feel emotionally safe. They'll feel they can't trust me because I'm only looking after my own self-interest. So simply reacting to the emotions and the feelings of being rejected, if not controlled and channeled in the proper ways, free and loving, positive ways, will result in further um, damage to the relationship at hand. So getting ourselves under control is important. So what we're gonna do here on this podcast, first and foremost, is we're gonna look at the science 
uh, a rejection from a neurological and physiological um, standpoint, how it impacts the body, what's going on, why do we feel like this? And that'll help us to understand what is happening so we can then further grasp things and get control. And then what we're going to talk about is three strategies um, that we can do and use to deal with rejection to right the ship, to get ourselves reoriented in a better place to deal with being rejected and, and deal with it successfully and, and come out the other side stronger. And that's what we want to do. So let's get into it here. So let's first talk about the science of rejection. What happens when you're being ignored and your text isn't being replied to? Your partner wants a separation. Um, so when I go through the process of being rejected, um, there's a few things that happen. Now, Helen Fisher, who is one of the world's foremost experts on the brain in love and in love in general, she's a professor, PhD, um, she's looked into this. And one of the things that she's found is that rejection impacts the dopaminergic system. Now, this is a system that regulates dopamine. Okay, so one of the things that happen is that the dopamine receptors, the neurons, are activated when you get rejected. So these neurons, these receptors, are waiting, thriving, wanting dopamine. Um, and, but you're not giving it to them because you're not achieving the reward. You're not getting the person that you want. They're breaking away from you. In essence, it creates a craving. And that's where one of the impulse comes for wanting to do something, that craving to fix that. Um, interesting enough, um, the nucleus acubums are also activated. And this has very, very high similarities with drug and other addictions. When, when you're not getting them, you get this craving, the nucleus acubums are activated. Same thing happens when you're rejected. So you, this craving, this feeling to do something about it is normal in our bodies. What we want to do ultimately is regulate it and get control. But now we can start to understand why people um, can do crazy things when they're rejected. Um, what else happens is that norepinephrine and adrenal is, is secreted in the body. So it gives you energy, want to do things. Cortisol is released as a stress reaction. Um, another thing that happens is the serotonin that your body is producing is suppressed. Now what we know about serotonin is that serotonin is a regulator of mood and mood elevation. Without serotonin, um, our mood will be decreased and we can sink into depression, right? So most experts on depression the theory is that serotonin has one of the largest regulating impacts on mood and elevated mood. And if you have low serotonin production, you're more likely to be depressed. So you can see what happens here. I, I have this craving for to do something triggered by my dopamine receptors activated. I got adrenaline going through my body to do something. My serotonin is suppressed, so I feel depressed and down. I'm a, I'm a wreck, I'm, I'm disoriented. I gotta do something about this. All these things are natural. So this is the state of how we're feeling. Another thing that happens is that the insular cortex part of the brain is activated when you're rejected. And this same part of the brain, the insular cortex, is also activated when people experience physical pain. 
So the theory is that the act of being rejected causes you to feel pain and hurt at the same time. And I'm sure many people can test to that. It hurts um, to be rejected. All right, so here's what's going on with our body. Now we know um, we're getting cravings. We want to do something about it. I want to talk to my partner and fix this. You know, I might be angry. Why are you doing this to me? Whatever, all these are common things that happen with rejection when you're rejected. And it might be painful and hurt too. Um, all of those things, if I allow them to uh, grow uh, in, in my mind and body, um, will lead me down a path of destruction. I can guarantee you that it always happens. If I'm lashing out, reaching out, constantly contacting my ex, texting them, calling them, whatever, voicing my displeasure, um, my partner is going to get more um, remote less available, they'll retreat more, they'll hide, they'll close themselves off, create greater boundaries, and if I keep it up, they'll block me and, or worse. Um, so it's not a path to success. What is a path to success is free and loving behavior. We know that. We know that if we are accepting, we know that if we allow our partner to feel heard, acknowledged, respected, emotionally safe, trusted in us, that positive emotions will increase. But you have to maintain control of rejection in order to be free and loving, right? So that's the, uh, the, the caveat. So what we want to look at here now is three strategies for you to modulate and control the feelings and the urges that come over you when you're rejected. Number one is reframing or reappraisal. I'm going to go through an example of what that is. Number two is resisting. The act of resisting the compulsion to act on the craving is significant. We'll talk about that and why. And number three, we want to elevate ourselves. We want to elevate our mood. Our serotonin is being depressed and, and suppressed by, by the rejection. I got to elevate this. I don't want to fall in to the valley of despair. I call it the cycle and the spiral of despair. We don't want to fall into that. You're not going to be a top performer and in order to be valued by your partner, you have to be a top performer, you have to perform, you have to have value, you have to be symbolized the captain of the ship in the face of the storm. In order for that to happen, you gotta be at your optimal best. So we're gonna talk about ways to elevate yourself positively and increase your mood, your elevation, your effective state. All right, number one is successful reframing reappraisal of the situation. We know um, successfully modulating our reward expectations can be done through reappraisal. Um, Delgado did research on this in 2008. What this means is that if I do appraisals and reframings of the situation, it can successfully modulate my reward expectation. Remember we talked about those dopamine receptors that are waiting to be rewarded? But reframing it helps to reactivate and change the expectations so they're less, they're less excited about getting rewarded. So how do I reframe things? Let's just go, back, go through an example. I have texted my ex-girlfriend, working to get back with her. We've been communicating here and there. And sometimes she texts back in a couple hours. Sometimes she takes a day. Sometimes a few days. Um, and I've texted her and it's been a day and she hasn't texted me back, right? 
And what I want to do is reappraise and reframe the situation. So I say to myself, one of the reasons she's taking her time and, and getting and opening up to me, she doesn't want to make herself vulnerable to me. She might be weak and vulnerable to me if she opens up more and she's being careful about that. She has love and attraction for me. So I have to be sensitive to that, have empathy towards her. If I'm patient and smart and cunning and I don't say anything about her times that she takes to text me back and I allow her to text me and then when she texts back, I don't say anything about how long it takes. I just flow with her. She'll trust me more. She'll feel more safe with me because of how I'm behaving. So I increase my value with her. I increase my attraction with her. She respects me more. She feels respected, all positive things. So that's a, what, what's called reframing and reappraisal of the situation. Um, all Olympic athletes, this is one of their core activities they do. One of the things Olympic athletes do is what's called TLC, temporary, local, changeable, which means the situation's temporary. It's localized to this specific thing. It's not my whole life and it's changeable. And I just reframed it. If I, if I behave in positive ways, I can change the outcome of what's happening. And I know that I've, I've done it myself many times. I can bear witness to the power of doing this. I can assure you, you have to be consistent with it. And you have to do it over and over and over. That's what paving the road means, but it's highly effective. All right, so that's cognitive reappraisal reframing. So do that, practice doing that so you're good at it. Don't fall into victim mentality. Number two, I wanna resist the urge to do something. Um, not take action, right? And what we know is that attachment-related responses and cravings um, related to sensory motor responses, and this has to do with interacting with a person and some levels of attachment that you get grows. Um, those cravings drop as time goes by, right? So if I was used to interacting with my partner every day or every other day, and now it's decreased because they rejected me, if I resist the urge to do something, we know that those cravings decrease, right? Um, I can still maintain my emotional positive bond with my, per with my partner, the person I love, by, by doing positive loving acts and behaviors while I'm thinking about them. I can do gratitude statements. I can talk and have empathy and reframing. And, and by doing that, I can strengthen my emotional commitment to that person. But I have to work actively to it. So if I resist the urge to do something, my feelings of attachment, as we just saw from the research, decreases over time. That was research from Aaron um, done in 2005 that shows this does uh, the attachment associated with interacting with a person will decrease as time goes by. So as you resist the urge to do something today, it makes it easier tomorrow and then the next day and you get stronger. We talked about reframing and how that works and why it's positive. So resist the urge, mark down your V, rack up Vs. The more Vs you get, the more powerful and strong you will be. The third thing is to elevate yourself with positive activities that will regulate your body into, into producing hormones and, and neurotransmitters that will elevate your mood. 
we, we talked, what happens, your serotonin gets suppressed when you're rejected. That can lead to depression. We don't want that. We want to be highly optimized um, human beings, free and loving, sharing our positive gifts with the world. And so what can we do? Um, first thing I can do is I can exercise and smile, right? I can go down to the gym, I can go for a run, go for a walk, do some jumping jacks while I do some deep breathing. And exercise, of course, has a strong impact on releasing hormones and neurotransmitters. Most likely it's gonna release dopamine. Most likely it's gonna release testosterone, especially if it's heavy exercise. Most likely if I exercise at a high intensity level, it increases endorphins and I feel high. Um, you know, when I go work out after about 30 minutes of high intensity, hard exercise, I start to just flow. And I'm not sure if I'm really fully flowing or just feel good because of the endorphins or a combination, but it, it feels like every exercise, every lifting set I do is the best ever. And that's due to the endorphins kicking in. So exercise is a great thing to do to elevate your mood. It has a lot of of physiological, neurological effects in terms of hormones and neurotransmitters. Number two, I can write and I can express gratitude statements. I have my health. I, f I, should, be, I should be grateful that I have that. Other people don't. There's people that are struggling with their health every day. There's people in the hospital struggling to have, make it through the night and have the next day be alive with their families there. If you have good health, you should be grateful every day. Um, express that gratitude. Express the gratitude for your partner that has spent willingly, given their time and part of their life to you. Be grateful for that experience. Reframe it. Do some deep breathing. Deep breathing will calm us. Activates the parasympathetic nervous system, our rest and relax response. If you're at the gym, go in the dry sauna. Dry sauna has a number of 15, 20 physiological effects on your body, increases HGH, most likely to increase a number of other things as well, and you're going to feel better. Fast, fasting, you can fast. You can do 16-8 fasting, 16 hours where you don't eat, eight hours where you eat. And if you fast, all kinds of good things happen to your body. Serotonin is increased. HGH surges, human growth hormone surges, which is a protective of your, of your proteins and your muscles. It makes you feel more calm as well. Serotonin is increased when you fast. So you're fighting your depression by fasting. Uh, BDNF proteins, your body goes through autophagy, which is a cellular shedding and repair. Your skin gets better, you're less likely to get cancer. So I know when I fast, I feel great. I feel like a missile, a rocket ship taking off. Um, so if you haven't tried fasting, I highly recommend doing it. I usually do the 16-8 program where I fast for 16 hours and eat in an eight hour block. Um, but anyways, there's lots of things you can read about how that works. So those are the three things I can do. I can do number one, cognitive reappraisals. Number two, I can resist the urge to do something, get my V, and as I resist, the, the feeling and the craving reduces over time. And number three, to fight off depression and despair and maintain my composure, confidence, and be the captain of the ship, 
I want to elevate myself. Exercise, gratitude, dry sauna, deep breathing, fasting, chanting, meditation, nature walks, being around positive people. All these things will increase my mood. Do not fall into the valley of despair. All right, do not let that happen. You have to have pride in yourself. Do not allow it to have, fight it off. All right, so now we know why is rejection so hard? And we know it has a, has a devastating hard impact on our body, it can cause pain, it makes us crave our partner, it makes us angry. Um, but if we use these strategies, we can turn the situation around and have a successful union with our partner, have a deep intimate union, a blissful state of love and trust and emotional safety where the two of us can coexist and have real acceptance with each other and become vulnerable with, other, with each other. And that's all the state that we want to have and at the end. All right, so she's rejected you. Use these strategies to overcome and become stronger to reunite with your partner in a loving, blissful state. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of the Climbing Henge Podcast.